and hello and welcome back to another episode of Boots to Balls here on the Boots Sports Network. We're so thankful to have all of you joining us for another episode. We very much enjoyed the reaction on the last episode across all the different platforms, and we're excited to be here for episode 22 tonight. Now, what this is, of course, as we continue to purge through the offseason, we just march on forward, we're seeing different things happening with different teams all across the state of Louisiana. You have on the college ranks teams like ULL and La Tech who are currently rebuilding parts of their stadium. You have LSU who's forming a massive recruiting class for the class of 2025. But some things have happened intimately here as we're going through the football offseason, and we're going to give you some breakdown here tonight on this episode of Boots to Balls. Also, recent news, NCAA, now college football, 2025 by EA Sports has announced that all 134 teams are going to be in the next edition of the game. And we're going to give you some unique insight and takes on that, and that'll be coming towards the end of the show. Where we're going to start off today, of course, is with the Saints news, as this week they brought in six new offensive coaches to go along with Clint Kubiak as he begins year one as offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints. And there's two in particular that we're going to delve into a little bit on this episode to give you a more robust look at how the Saints are going to be doing things and what's going to be critical for them going into this very pivotal year for both Derek Carr and Dennis Allen. But before we do that, it's of course great to start off every episode with a follow down below. Go ahead and leave the like early so you have it out of the way. And here we go on this episode of 22 of Boots to Balls. Now, the Saints brought in running backs coach Derek Foster and new quarterbacks coach Andrew Janoko. Now, these two names may not be particularly close to the average Saints fan's ear, not ones that you may have heard before, and that's okay. We're going to give you the breakdown here on this show. What is important to know about Derek Foster is that he has been spending time in the Chargers program for the past three years. He's worked alongside talents like excuse me, Austin Eckler and many other parts of that. What is truly a high-power offense, a offense that uh, mimics a lot of what Clint Kubiak is trying to do here in New Orleans, which is to bring a fresh, upbeat look that's going to move the ball, not only before the snap, but particularly down the field. It's going to have a lot of motion involved with it. And I think getting Derek Foster to put him with talents like Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara and all the other young, improving talents that are being brought through the program when it comes at the running back position is going to be pretty critical for the Saints, who are at this point a full committee system. Even though Alvin Kamara is still going to get a joint about 1,000 yards between his passing and receiving, excuse me, receiving and rushing, he is inherently no longer the pure RB1. He has all the records, but now it's time for Alvin to share with Jamal Williams in a way that I think is going to be a lot more balanced and a lot more deliberate than what we saw this year, where it was sort of patched at times between Alvin's suspension and then having to make adjustments on the fly in order to best accommodate. I think this year we're going to see a more cohesive unit to get what was the NFL's 2022-2023 rushing leader in touchdowns back into a prominent role in this offense, and they had just a guy to do it. You look at what Austin Eckler has done with the Chargers and a quarterback like Justin Herbert. 
those two together were able to form a unique system where, yes, you were able to use your running back in a way that was complementary to the pre-snap motion, but also still kept him viable as a running option. And that is what's going to be sort of critical here as you're combining that with the offensive line that is going to have to take a major step up from last year. There was a lot of moments there where you were able to see that the running game sort of was breaking down altogether, and it let Derek Carr into some situations where he basically knew he was going to be passing, him way, passing his way out of a game, which is something that if the Saints want to take the jump and get over that 10-win mark to get into that double-digit win column once again, you're going to have to clean up. You're going to have to establish a not only competent, but honestly, most likely top 10 in the league rushing match rushing attack to complement Derek Carr's sort of game management style, which in this format should look something a lot more like Kirk Cousins when Clint Kubiak was back there with the Vikings. But not to get too far ahead of ourselves, overall, I think Derek Foster is going to give not only the Saints running back field a lot of help, I think it's going to take some pressure off of other offensive components because when that rushing game gets established and you're able to use it not only for downfield, up the middle, between the tackles, and you're able to get out there, do some motion, get Alvin Kamara where he's excelled so much in his career, which is being able to use his natural talents to evade pass rushers as well as evading uh, coming safeties and things of the nature and get him into some space going down the field out of the passing game, it's going to be an absolute home run for the Saints. But in order to do that, you're going to need Derek Carr to step up his game as well. And that's where Andrew Janoko is going to come in as the quarterback's coach to complement Clint Kubiak. These are two who are pretty well-established passing game gurus. They don't necessarily turn... 5,000-yard passing quarterbacks, but they do take people who are in certain parts of their career where they need to get their talent, which is the superior uh, talent in the offensive coaching room and the offensive staff overall, and take them to the next level. You see Justin Jefferson there, like we mentioned earlier, with Kirk Cousins. You're going to see that when you have Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara, and all the other talents that the Saints have pulled up in their offensive stockpile and you get Derek Carr complimenting them and elevating them, it's going to be a very strong combination, we hope. Now, again, Janoko brings 13 years of coaching experience. He's had that across several positions in the league, but he was most recently with the Bears working with Justin Fields, who took some major steps towards the end of the year. I think his performance and his growth was not given the due that it was needed to due to where the Bears finished on the year. But... I personally was there in the Superdome whenever he was not starting, and to see the big difference between the Bears with Justin Fields and without is night and day. Not to mention the fact that it looks like they might pass up on someone like a Jaden Daniels in the draft because they have so much confidence with the progression that was made by Justin Fields at the end of the year. So I think Janoko with Clint Kubiak, the two of them together, retooling the passing game is going to be a big win for the Saints. It's going to give them an opportunity to do some things that they weren't doing previously and make a much more compelling attack as the Saints look to, again, push forward towards that elusive 10-win number. Taking a look at another team in New Orleans that made some critical maneuvers 
during the offseason so far has been Tulane. Now, we know Michael Pratt is going to go off to the NFL. We talked about his senior bowl performance on the last episode of Boots to Balls. But they have went out and gotten Oregon transfer quarterback Ty Thompson. Now, you may have heard of Ty Thompson. He was number nine in 247's class going into 2021. However, with Bo Nix coming into Oregon, he was forced to take a backup role. And this has now allowed him to gain experience and to sit there. And he's going to be a redshirt junior with two years of eligibility left whenever he arrives down in the Crescent City. Tulane with an elite quarterback. If this is something that John Summerall can use for his scheme, you're able to not only take what was Michael Pratt, a top 10 quarterback debatably in the NCAA, and combine him with the fact that Kai Horton has decided to return to Tulane. These two combined together is going to be it's going to create a much stronger offensive quarterback room than what Tulane maybe even saw last year, the year before, going into their Cotton Bowl run. You have two veteran quarterbacks now who are going to be able to step up, and it's going to be quite a fight going into spring practice and then later on into fall practice. So that's something big that John Summerall has put himself in position to do. With Ty Thompson now joining his quarterback room, you have him and Kai Horton, who are going to be going head-to-head all throughout camp, and we're looking forward to seeing it. We'll be giving you the latest updates as we get them here on the Boot Sports Network. Now, talking about quarterbacks, talking about top 10 players, LSU has continued to put together an absolute war chest when it comes to top 10 players. They have done some things that we have not seen for quite some time, and it's truly becoming what could be a mega class. Just this last week, LSU hosted the number two and number three wide receivers for the 2025 recruiting class on campus and gave another opportunity for them to step up and potentially be number one overall in that class. So far, they do have the number one quarterback, the number one running back, the number one wide receiver, and it looks like the number one offensive lineman may not be far behind either. With that level of talent coming in, it's going to be truly a chance at a national championship just off the paper talent alone. Now, of course, all these players have to both meld together and form a cohesive team, but they also have to use their strengths to be able to work with already high-level talent on campus. So whenever they all get here for the fall of 2025, that will be very nice. But what LSU does have right now for the fall of 2024, of course, is a strong quarterback room where they just took in another top quarterback in the nation for the fact that he was able to reach classify and is now going to be coming in as a 16-year-old freshman to LSU next year to join Garrett Nussmeyer and Ricky Collins in the quarterback room. At this point, Colin Hurley with Garrett Nussmeyer allows two very strong quarterbacks and then Ricky Collins, who's taken some steps over his last year during his uh, previous campaign as a freshman here at LSU getting to sit behind Jaden Daniels, he's not taking any days off either. I think these three have a strong enough ability to be able to get LSU through any tough times this season, but Garrett Nussmeyer, of course, does have to take steps to elevate his game to prove that he can bring it night in and night out with this enhanced SEC schedule, not to mention the out-of-conference games that are in place as well. Of course, starting off early in September in Las Vegas. Not to mention that alone, you look at Garrett Nussmeyer, and he's 
accepting that he is the starter now. He's the face of the team. And he's starting to go and put himself in a position to be able to better control his locker room, to better establish himself as a leader on this team. And that's something that you love to see. Of course, fall camp gets started in a couple weeks here, and we'll be giving you full coverage here on Boots to Balls as well as the Boots Sports Network. He went ahead and signed a major NIL deal today. Now, this is not a big dollar NIL deal, and it's something that a lot of you, of course, are going to see a lot of players do. This is going to go all the way from the boot, from ULL to ULM, La Tech, Tulane. And, of course, Garrett Nussmeyer, according to SI just a few hours ago, signed his opt-in deal to join College Football 2025 by EA Sports. Now... This game, of course, is coming back after almost a 10-year hiatus where it had to step aside to uh, deal with the fact that NIL at the time was not allowed and the trials were bearing down on them. Now, we know that this was, of course, a major deal at the time as it took away one of the most beloved franchises in sports gaming, not to mention college football fans just had to be without for so long. But I, of course, am not the expert on this in the room, so I'm going to defer to someone who, for those of you who are not new to the program, know is our in-house expert when it comes to the former NCAA, now college football franchise, and that is, of course, our own producer, Brett. Hi, I'm Brett, producer of Boots to Balls on the Boot Sports Network and other shows, but um, I'm here to talk to you about some college football video games slash simulators. So the football simulator started on the Magnavox Odyssey, or arguably before, but it didn't really start getting popular till the NES uh, era of, of video games, uh, say Master System era, when games like Tech Mobile came out. Like you had previous attempts like Atari's football, but they, they very rarely resembled real football. But when college football games started becoming really great, it was around the EA beginnings uh, with stuff like Bill Walsh's college football for Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and I believe Sega CD. Now, it put Bill Walsh's college football apart is not only could you choose your own plays, both passing and uh, running, et cetera, et cetera, but also the colleges somewhat resembled real colleges. I don't believe they actually had the licenses to use colleges, but it would say Baton Rouge, Team and the banner team would be purple and gold. Now, this is important. They did not have the licenses, but it was still a great game. Then, uh, and this comes back to something I'll say later, but then in the late 90s, you start getting a college football video game explosion as well as NFL video game explosion. You had NFL Blitz, you had NFL 2K, you had Madden. Uh, and on the college side, you had things like NCAA 2K. NCAA 06, um, you had multiple video game makers making multiple games, and this is important, and we're gonna go to NFL video games for a second here, because I'm gonna loop back, because the reason I'm talking about the history of this is I don't think we should have waited 10 years for a new college football game. And more importantly, I don't think we should be excited for the new one. I mean, I really am excited for this game, believe me. I love playing NCAA. I wouldn't have all these games if I didn't. But the reality is there's a looming threat over this game, and that threat is EA Games. Um, and I bring this up because if we go back to the year 2004, Sega Sports creates the greatest football game ever made, NFL 2K5. It's so great, I have two copies. 
this game revolutionized um, video games. Not only did they have realistic ESPN commentaries, so you could, with halftime shows, so it really felt like you were watching a game broadcast when you played, but they had scanned faces of all these players, and they even made it where an AI recorded how you play, and you could send that AI to your friend and play that. They had a franchise mode that has been not even touched by any of EA's offerings. And more importantly, this was all offered for $20. Now, this made EA freak out because this came out a few months before Madden. And EA, coming console generation, struck a deal with the NFL to make exclusive games. No more NFL Blitz, no more NFL Street, no more NFL 2K, only Madden. And because they, they sold it to the NFL that 2K5 weakened the brand by being $20 rather than $40. And the NFL sadly said yes. And what makes this so sad is then we start getting games like Madden 06 that was ambitious for its time. But the sad reality about Madden 06, you can see I got this game for less than a dollar, um, is... They went too far in a few places for the next gen, that which at that time was Xbox 360, PS3. They thought they could do a lot more, but they couldn't. And it was a buggy nightmare mess. The franchise mode wasn't as good as the prior, prior installments, such as the GameCube and PS2 versions. And this continued until Madden got around Madden 08, that many people believe, many Madden fans believe, was the best Madden. Now, why do they think Madden 08 was the best? Because ever since Madden 08, we have Madden 06. It's been almost a decade since this game was made, 2005. Madden 06 still has assets being used in the newest Maddens for PS4, PS5. Why is that? It's because EA is lazy, and they stopped, and they have no competition, so they stopped caring about delivering a quality product because they know you'll buy it no matter what they do. They know that they have the NFL license and people want to play with NFL players. So they'll just make the same game over and over again. And then this gets exacerbated in the age of DLC. Because now, not only are they going to sell you the same game over and over again, but they switch from a physics engine to an animation engine, the Frostbite engine. And you can look up Madden glitches and get tens if not hundreds of hours of content on YouTube of balls glitching all over the place and players flying around in ways that don't make any sense in reality, all because the game isn't calculating the physics, it's calculating how the animation should move. So you get crazy, unrealistic plays that frustrate players. And what's even more frustrating is it's no longer about being the best coach. It's about who has the most money because they started adding Sadly, in the game that many people think is great, the last NCAA game, as well as the Madden equivalent of its time, something called Ultimate Team. An Ultimate Team is like a trading card game where you just pay for players, kind of like modern NIL, I know. And a lot of people really have a lot of nostalgia for NCAA 2014. I do too. It's because it's the last game in 10 years. But I have to ask two questions. Why was it the last game in 10 years? We saw from Bill Walsh's college football that they did not even have the licenses to use the schools, yet people loved that game. It's less about the licensing. It's more about the gameplay. And that's why I think, honestly, EA has been lazy for these last nine years. 
because people still play, including me, NCAA 14 with modern rosters. Now you might ask how, because NCAA 14, even NCAA 2K2, has great creative ways where you can customize players and customize teams. You don't need LSU to have the likeness of any of the players. You don't need Alabama to have the likeness of any players. You don't need any of the team. And I, and I have proof of this. It is said that the new NCAA game will have no licensing for the coaches. If we're not going to be able to use real coaches, Bill Belichick hasn't been in Madden for more than a decade. If you can't use the coaches, then why does it matter if you can use the players? Just put fake players on the team and allow players to customize your Jaden Daniels or Joe Burrows onto your teams. And I bring this up because EA has really no excuse with the amount of awful Madden games they've put out over the past decade for, to not put out an NCAA. Because the whole concept was, we can't make a deal with NIL with the players. Well, guess what? I think NIL should, should be included in the game as like a function for its franchise mode uh, or Road to Glory or what have you. But I don't think it should affect the game in the sense of, Players don't necessarily need to be paid for the game because the game doesn't need necessarily license players. And to get back to the overarching point, we have seen for the past decade Madden reuse assets all the way back for Madden 06. We've seen its franchise mode no longer allow concession sales that you could change. And Awful gameplay that's pay to win filled with microtransactions. I highly recommend watching fellow YouTuber Soft Drink TV's reviews of the modern Madden games as well as his retrospective on NFL 2K5. I don't have enough time here to go in to all of the reason modern Madden games suck, but they're god awful. And it's sad that a lot of people play them that don't know better because they haven't seen better. And ultimately, I bring this up because we've seen this company that's making this college football game turn Star Wars Battlefront 2 into a gambling game for children. We've seen them make Madden into a pay-to-play game. We've even seen them use horrible animation engines, horrible server issues, reuse of assets, and, I, and it begs the question, will, this game, will I buy this game? Yes, because I'm an idiot consumer. But should we be excited? What has EA shown us? We've barely seen any gameplay, if any gameplay that is. EA has shown us nothing to show that this won't just be another glitchy Frostbite engine game filled with pay-to-win microtransactions. And then you know what they're going to do? They're going to justify their pay-to-win microtransactions shenanigans by saying we need to play the players for NIL. Because that was their excuse for not making a game for a decade. But guess what? Bill Walsh College Football proves that excuse meaningless. The current community around NCAA 14 proves that excuse is meaningless. EA has no excuses but to deliver a great game. But the sad reality is, until we, the game comes out, no one can be the judge. But EA has shown us nothing that they've changed from, or no proof that they've changed from the money-grubbing, awful, practices of modern Madden, of modern Battlefront. And one has to beg to question, should we be excited for this game? I'm excited because I'm going to be driving up scores by the hundreds to Bama, but it won't feel the same without Saban. But 
I don't know if you should be excited. And I bring this up because I see a lot of positivity and a lot of hype around the modern NCAA game. But none of us really know if it will be good. So hopefully that explanation made sense and hopefully I'm wrong. But back to you, Donald. Now look, while of course we have to tell it to you straight, we're going to be very honest with you here when it comes to how we handle news here on the Boot Sports Network. We hope that this game comes out and is absolutely a new direction for the entire genre of sports gaming. Not to mention just the fact that all of us here in Louisiana, be you a Louisiana Tech fan, a Warhawks fan, Raging Cajun, Green Wave, or Fighting Tiger, no matter where you stand in all of this, not to mention the FCS schools, which of course we hope we'll get to see for no charge at some point later on when the game gets going, this is critical for creating the next generation. And if they're able to do it right, if they're able to make this not only a next generation game, but a next generation of college football fans based off of this game, it's going to do amazing things. Of course, myself, I'm still in prime video game age, so I'm going to be there and I'm going to go ahead and go crazy for it. And I think a lot of people who maybe stepped away from video games during this hiatus are going to be coming back. So it's going to really unite a lot of fans, which I think haven't had that commonality in quite a while. So thanks once again to producer Brett. He, of course, gave it to you very honestly. And hey, look, you got to fix what you got to fix. But overall, I'm excited for this game to be coming back. And to be honest with you, we all are. We just hope they do it right. But that is not all that we hope do it right. One thing that you can do right all the time is to go ahead and share this with your friends and family. Hit the like button, follow us, give us that opportunity to become the one and only Boot Sports Network in totality. We want to be the ones giving you content for your Louisiana sports teams when you need it as best we can. And that happens whenever we grow our base and we're able to become stronger with your support. Let us know down in the comments below. Do you agree with producer Brett? Do you agree with me? Do you think this whole thing is just going off the rails? Do you think that the Saints made the right choices with their hires? We want to know. Drop a comment down below. Let us know. And then, of course, please follow and share. But that's not all, of course, when it comes to football news. We're going to be coming back still on this bi-weekly basis as we get ready for fall camp starting in March here for a lot of the teams in Louisiana as Football is not ever really that far away, is it? Of course, we'll also give a little bit of coverage once we have our first spring league return. That'll be the Louisiana Voodoo in Lake Charles. We'll be talking about them once they get going. We once again thank you for watching another episode of Boots to Balls. And we, of course, hope that you enjoyed this as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget to follow us, of course, on YouTube, X, formerly Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and wherever you get your audio podcast. I'm Donald, your host, and this was another episode of Boots to Balls. Boots to Balls is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast does not render legal or financial advice. Remember to bet responsibly, and if you or anyone you know is struggling with problem gambling, reach out to your local gambling helpline.